now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane here with my good buddy Rich Hill to break down all things that were during week four of the NFL season. The Patriots had a pretty wild week, went to Kansas City, lost to the Chiefs in an interesting game, we'll <laughs> say. Rich, based on what we saw, how are you doing? You hanging in there? You okay? I mean, Alec, that was possibly the worst possible circumstance that the Patriots would have to play in. They lose their starting quarterback with team captain to COVID. They have to f- have their game postponed. They have to fly out that morning to Kansas City against the defending Super Bowl champions. They also have to play against an atrocious officiating job. And they held the Chiefs to 19 points. I'm happy. I am so happy right now that that I mean, there's so much to break down with this game, but I am feeling well. How are you doing? No, yeah, man. I mean, I think I like you, like most people in Patriots Nation, had this game pegged as a loss back when the schedule first came out, and nothing changed between then and now. So the fact that they lost isn't exactly some kind of like major blow. It is frustrating that the Patriots probably win this game if like two different things go right, but. <laughs> What are you going to do? Uh, I, want, I have a lot of questions for you, buddy. I'm excited to break this game for you. But before we get into the Patriots game, uh, there were some interesting games around the league that happened in week four. I'm starting to see a pattern of there really isn't a, a middle class in the NFL in 2020. There's the really good teams and everyone else kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. And, you know, sometimes you get good teams playing against good teams, bad teams against bad teams. And so unless you are the Cincinnati Bengals or the Philadelphia Eagles, someone's going to have to win that game. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, the Packers are 4-0. They beat the Falcons, who are now 0-4. The Dolphins are uh, 1-3. They lost to the Seahawks, who are 4-0. You have the good teams beating the bad teams. You have, you know, two bad teams with the Vikings and the Texans. Vikings won that one. That was a Bill O'Brien got fired after that game sort of situation. So, you know, Texans were obviously the worst team out there. Uh, And so, I mean, not a lot to go too granular into uh, other than got to touch on this. Tommy B and the Buccaneers first place in the NFC South. They beat the Chargers 38 to 31. He had a pretty great day. I think in the second half he had like, you know, four touchdown passes. I mean, he had five on the day. He was outstanding. Uh, it was very much a vintage Brady performance, and it seemed like he was really gelling with some of the players on the on the offense. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be a tough day for the the Bill Belichick with any quarterback in the league and Tom Brady's <laughs> wash crowd because that is the exact opposite of what happened. Good for Brady. I hope the Buccaneers do well. I'd love to see them make a deep run in the playoffs. Uh, again, I, I'm not sure what New England's playoff chances are based on this roster, even if Cam Newton is healthy. The Buccaneers, though, have a very legit shot to make a deep run in the NFC, so that'd be really cool to see uh, for them. But again, you're right, Rich. There's really not a whole lot of, of marquee games that went down. The one thing I want to touch on before we get to the Patriots-Chiefs game is the Bills are now 4-0, Rich. Mm-hmm. They took up the Raiders. They've beaten the Rams. They had some pretty good statement wins. Would you put the Bills up there with the Chiefs and Ravens as one of the best teams in the AFC? Uh, absolutely. 
Absolutely. I, I would say that I would say uh, they're in the next tier. I'd say the Chiefs are in a class of their own, and I think that the Ravens are very, very good, but they're definitely a step behind. I would say that the Bills are a hair behind the Ravens as well, despite being undefeated. Uh, they benefit from playing the, the Jets and Dolphins, who are two of the worst teams in the league. Jets absolutely being the ultimate worst. Uh, or, you know, other than the Giants, if they want to compete <laughs> for that. Uh, and then other than their very, very close win against the Rams... Uh, they haven't really played too many good teams. I, I think that that's different from what the the Chiefs have done. Although theoretically, the you know the a lot of the games that the Chiefs were supposed to play, you know, against the the Texans and against the Patriots, uh, weren't very good. <laughs> the the Texans have been a bad team this year, and then the Patriots didn't have their starting quarterback, so some of the challenges just didn't surface. But I, I think that this is a Bills team that you have to take seriously. They're two games up in the AFC. But honestly, if you were looking at this team prior to the start of the year, I would say, what are the odds of them starting 4-0? Pretty good. Uh, yeah. I mean, I would have expected them to beat the Jets, Dolphins, and Raiders. The Rams game, I think, would have been a toss-up, and it was. You know, they came back from behind, so that was a good win for the Bills. Uh, but it was also at home. They, they have a much tougher stretch later in the year. Uh, you know, they're, they're playing the undefeated Titans, theoretically, you know, next week, uh, see if the Titans play. Then they host the Chiefs, so that's really tough back-to-back -to -back games. Uh, the Patriots get a chance in Week 8, followed up by a game against the Seahawks and a very good Cardinals team in Week 10. Uh, then they have the 49ers, who should have Garoppolo in Week 13, a Steelers team who are currently undefeated in 14. Uh, so they still have all of their hard games later on. They beat one of the hard teams in the Rams, but they still need to show a little bit more for me to have full faith in them. I also feel like there's been multiple seasons in the past where the Bills start off like four and two or five and one, and then <laughs> they finish like eight and eight. So uh, Buffalo's going to Buffalo most likely, but good for them. I like the Bills. I like Josh Allen. I think he's a good quarterback, and it's always good to see the AFC East kind of make a splash in a non-Patriots factor, especially because <laughs> based on what we saw last night from Patriots ace starting quarterback Brian Hoyer uh, – Rich, how is it that a quarterback can be with the Patriots three separate times on three separate occasions and look as bad as he did against the Kansas City Chiefs defense without their best pass rusher? Honestly, that was the worst quarterbacking performance I have ever seen. Not just from a bad completion standpoint situation. I remember watching, uh, I want to say it was the Minnesota Vikings, like, you know, a decade ago. Uh, where they had Joe Webb out there. That was the, you know, one of the worst things. We've seen Ryan Lindley in the Patriots preseason. That was also atrocious. But Brian Hoyer made so many rookie mistakes out there that were just absolutely inexcusable. Blew my mind that someone in, with all of this NFL experience was still able to make those mistakes. You do not take a sack to move your team backwards right before the half without any timeouts to leave with zero points. That is football 101, and it's shocking that they even put him in after that because that was just inexcusable decision-making on his side, and it was just really just – I mean, the Patriots were going to lose the game after that play. Yeah, I mean, you can't have three trips to the red zone and come away with three points. That's just not going to work against most teams, let alone an offense as explosive as the Chiefs. You know, we, we've, we've talked about in the past how, like, against the Dolphins, if you let the Dolphins kind of hang around – They'll eventually do something stupid and beat you. The Dolphins are not in the same <laughs> stratosphere as the Chiefs. The Patriots could have at one point been up like 20 to 6 uh, yep. with 
pretty much any other quarterback, and they just couldn't get it done. Uh, not only that, Brian Hoyer picked a crappy time to have a bad performance because the Patriots were up at 6 a.m. to get a swab shoved up their nose before driving to the, ho- to the hospital, to the airport, four-and-a-half-hour flight. Back, It was just a really long, exhausting day. Uh, I'm not willing to give Hoyer a pass for that, but on, on top of all they had to deal with yesterday with the, the testing and the travel and the short notice, they had that absolute egg by the quarterback. And on the plus side, I thought Stidham looked okay in limited action toward the end. Maybe there's some promise there, but it's really frustrating when you expect to lose a game, but you're hoping you can at least make it competitive. And the Patriots actually could have won this game yep. had like two things gone differently. So that's kind of frustrating. Oh, totally. I mean, anytime you hold the Kansas City Chiefs to 19 points, you think you have a good shot to win the game. Uh, you know, and the way that I look at this, and we were talking about this before the podcast about this kind of butterfly effect of not having Cam Newton out there. Uh, you know, if, if you had Cam Newton, I absolutely feel confident that the Patriots would not have scored zero points right before the half. You know, they would have gone, you know, six and six into halftime. Uh, he probably would not have fumbled that football. Uh, he, would have, you know, stayed in the game, not had that pick six with Julian Edelman. There was just like all of these enormous twist points that happened due to the quarterback play. That I mean, Brian Hoyer has negative pocket uh, awareness, negative co- like pocket IQ. It was shocking to see how he just did not understand how to avoid pressure or when to get rid of the football. And, you know, if Cam Newton was in there, you wouldn't have had that pick six. This is a game that, as you said, the Patriots absolutely should have won. And if they had Cam Newton, I think they would have. Probably. Uh, And if you are ever a person who tries to use QBR as some kind of metric for for skill level, Brian Hoyer had a 38.8 QBR somehow. Don't know how he had 38.8. Should have maybe 3.88 it should have been. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Cam Newton's in this, this game. Very different game, I imagine. Different different strategy, different philosophy. But still, I think the Patriots do come away with a surprise victory. Uh, and uh, the the fumble aside, the ridiculous sack aside, uh, Hoyer's decision-making wasn't great. He was throwing balls high. He had a, he had Izzo up the middle. He overthrew that for an interception. Uh, he missed some open guys. It just wasn't very accurate, even when he was moving the ball um, without throwing interceptions. So I, I, there really wasn't anything I saw from Brian Hoyer that makes me in any way remotely confident I ever want to see him out there again. Oh, absolutely. And so, okay, imagine this. Week five, uh, I know it's early in the week. We don't know whether or not Cam Newton will be available or not. Who gets a start, Brian Hoyer or Jarrett Stidham? I mean, I'll take Stidham. If, if you don't want to start uh, Brian Hoyer or Jarrett Stidham, Call me. I can hand the ball off three times. <laughs> I literally, I, I, I'm not being facetious here, Rich. I think if the Patriots had just had me out there handing the ball off to Damian Harris or Rex Burkhead three times and then punting, they had a better shot of winning the game than with Brian Hoyer out there because he literally took points off the board. I wouldn't have done that. But if they have to start one of these two guys, I'd love to see Stidham. If nothing else, I felt that once the game was out of hand, uh, toward the end of the game, they let Stidham kind of experiment some plays. They let him try to run some screens and, and expand the playbook a little bit more. I mean, again, I, I, don't, I don't think he was great. Uh, I think he had Bird open in the end zone if he'd thrown that pass a little earlier and seen that earlier. But he had a nice touchdown to Nikhil Harry. Uh, he didn't get, take a sack in the red zone. <laughs> so, I mean, there's some things I saw that I liked out of him. And if we have to go with one of the two, I'd rather just kind of just 
see what Stidham has, you know? No, I totally agree with that. And, I, I mean, I watched that interception. And I was like, man, that was a pretty interception pass. That was the prettiest interception I've seen. He you know, <laughs> looked very fluid doing it. Um, so, I, I mean, I would absolutely roll with Stidham as well. Um, but what I would do if I were Josh McDaniels is I would lean on that rushing attack. Do what you just said. Hand the ball off three times because the Chiefs absolutely couldn't stop it. Damian Harris looked fantastic out there in his debut 17 carries for 100 yards including a beautiful 41 yard run and i gotta give so much credit to this just absolute jumble of an offensive line where uh you know jermaine illuminor was held out of the game due to a migraine so the patriots were changing players left and right isaiah win was the uh and you had joe tooney out there those were your guys on the left they had james ferentz in the middle uh michael and at right guard because shaq mason wasn't available and justin heron got his first nfl start you know seventh round pick so the patriots were really really scraping the bottom of the barrel and they were controlling the line of attack uh, you know you had three guys who honestly had no business being starters this year uh in ferentz and wainu and heron and they did a great job they absolutely did such a good job moving back this Super Bowl winning defense. Uh, so, I, I mean, I think it's a testament to the potential that this rushing attack has. And honestly, next week, Jarrett Stidham, hand the ball off and let this offensive line do its work. I mean, on top of that, if I'm the Kansas City Chiefs defense and I see what Brian Hoyer has done, I'm not giving the passing game any respect. I would stack mm-hmm. the box, and, and they, they weren't, and they, they knew the Patriots were going run heavy. The team rushed for 185 yards, I believe, on the ground, and the fact they were going to stop the run, and they still couldn't, I think bodes really, really well. I don't know what Rex Burkhead did between last season and this season, but he's having a phenomenal year mm-hmm. as a passing threat, as a runner. He really represents a nice wrinkle, and as you said, Damien Harris, I thought he looked good. He was decisive. He had that one big 41-yarder, and it wasn't so much the 41-yarder. It was just like the little chunk three-yard plays. If you're back and gain three, three-and-a-half yards of carry, Every single time, that's awesome. That's all you really need. Um, but the question, though, Rich, is Damien Harris got most of the touches because Sony Michelle was inactive. He's now on IR for at least three weeks. Do you think if Damien Harris has another solid couple weeks of play, we may have seen the end of the brief Sony Michelle era in New England? I mean, honestly, this is what the Patriots wanted uh, before Harris was placed on the IR to start the year, right? I think they wanted Harris to be the lead back. I think they liked him. You have Burkhead as that change of pace. They like him in the red zone. He runs very strong. Uh, and then you have James White as the third down back. I think that's what they wanted anyways. And now they have it. Harris showed them why. Uh, and so, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if this was the last we saw of Sonny Michelle. Uh, he might you know, hang around on the back end of the roster, even when he returns from the IR. But Harris does not appear to be willing to give up that starting spot. I would really like to see the Patriots throw the ball, target Harris in the backfield a little bit to give him some pass attempts that they were just refusing to give Sony Michelle to force opposing defenses to not stack the box. But we'll see. This is just one game. But I wouldn't be surprised if this was the, the end of the Sony Michelle era and he winds up on the Dolphins or the, the Lions moving forward. I mean, I don't ever really see a reason to, unless he's some kind of like freak like Saquon Barkley asked or Adrian Peterson, to really ever extend a running back beyond his rookie contract. I think they're pretty replaceable, especially in a system like the Patriots where you can run a platoon of, of running backs back there. We'll see what happens with him. I like Sony Michelle. I will always be grateful for the postseason he had in that Super Bowl run. He was phenomenal in that, but you can't ride that forever. But the running game is still clicking, and that's a real big positive to take away from the offense. Uh, last question on the offense, Rich, but I want to talk about the defense because the defense looked awesome last night. Um, are we ever going to see the tight ends get involved in a real way in this offense, or are they kind of just there? <laughs> 
Honestly, I have no idea. I mean, if they weren't able to come out this time uh, against the Chiefs, I don't know what they'll be doing. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, Dalton Keene, inactive. He's hurt. Uh, he's just not going to play. But Asiasi needs to get some targets. He's definitely being that second tight end. He's the blocker. Izzo's getting the targets. But three targets for zero catches. Izzo's a good blocker. Maybe they should switch roles. They, maybe they should put Asiasi out there, give him opportunities to show that he can actually catch the ball. Because uh, Izzo's not that much of a receiving threat, and uh, you know, allow them to kind of perform a little bit, because this offense will be so much better if the tight ends are able to perform, if they're able to have those red zone targets or threats, in the way that Harry was, because uh, I think Harry had a really nice touchdown there. Um, but you know, it's good to see Gunner back. But my big question for you, uh, last one on the offense, Julian Edelman, what's going on? I don't know. It's a good question. He definitely gets the the dud of the week, even in terms of the receiving core. Inexcusable drop. One got he got saved, bailed out by Gunner, and that pick six was completely on him. I feel bad for Jarrett Stidham that he had a pick six in his first uh, NFL action that wasn't remotely his fault. He just looks like he's again. Maybe I'm willing to give him a pass for last night because maybe he was tired. It was a long trip, and it's kind of wearing on him being the the oldest guy. There's a lot that could be there. Um, but he's just not quite the same guy. Maybe he's older. Maybe, you know, he's on the wrong side of 30 he's by several years now. And maybe he's just not as into it as he was. I, I don't know. Uh, there's really nobody in this receiving core that is dangerous. And we were really hoping he'd really step it up and be a leader of the locker. Maybe he still is. I don't want to cast aspersions on him, not really knowing what goes on behind closed doors. But I was really hoping for Nikhil Harry to make a big jump, which he is slowly doing. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, creeping. man. Yeah, he's he's he's, not, he's making a, he's not making a jump. He's making a, a a slow motion step, but it's in the right direction. At least. So I'll I'll see what happens. Edelman, man, yeah, I mean, I don't know what's going on with him. Um, I hope it's not that he's just hit that receiver wall, and that there's just something else going on. But I think if he can't turn a corner, uh, the ceiling for this offense got much much lower. Oh, I completely agree. I, I think with Edelman, too, he's been battling that injury. Uh, he's trying to build that new rapport with the quarterbacks, but that was supposed to be the benefit of having Hoyer uh, is that he was familiar. He knows these players, um, but that just definitely was not the case. We'll see. I mean, Edelman's been dealing with that injury. Hopefully he'll be able to recover, and maybe this will light a fire under him because this was just not a great performance. I, I think he's had, you know, he had that great game against the Seahawks, but, uh, you know, maybe... Uh, maybe this is the end of the, the Edelman era. Maybe he's missing Tom Brady a lot. I'm not sure, but we'll see. We'll see moving forward. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about the defense a little bit because they did an outstanding job against the Chiefs. They held them to 19 points on offense, uh, and, and Patrick Mahomes never really looked like he settled in. He was getting calls in his favor left and right, uh, you know, that he should have had that fumble. He should have had multiple interceptions. He should have had, uh, you know, not gotten that roughing the passer call from Dietrich Wise. What did you see from the Patriots' defense that really was able to annoy and disrupt the Chiefs? Yeah, what I like, man, great defensive game plan. I think Belichick realized that Patrick Mahomes eats pressure for lunch. He loves when guys blitz him because he can avoid the blitzes very easily. It opens up the middle of the field. He can take off if he needs to. You've got a great tight end in Travis Kelsey that can cross. So they mostly just rushed three with the occasional blitz. And when you have uh, my personal quarter-mark uh, NF, uh, Patriots MVP, Chase Winovich out there, mm -hmm. who's an absolute force, 
They did a great job setting the edge. Dietrich Wise has really come into his own. They've got two guys that kept the edge, that prevented uh, Mahomes from getting the edge. And with basically seven or eight guys uh, in a kind of man zone look, it was a lot harder for the Chiefs to get open. And it was a great game plan that was very effective, honestly. The, the, the Chiefs basically only had two touchdown drives the entire game. Um, and when you can hold the Chiefs that can basically score a will to two touchdown drives, you usually win the game if your offense can can produce, but they couldn't. I think it was smart to rely on the strength of the team, which is secondary. The secondary matched up as well as can be expected on these Chiefs weapons. Yep. And if you can maybe get the, the linebackers who are still kind of coming into their own. I touched a lot of Bentley had a good game, but I think if the linebackers can step up a little bit more, I, I would put this defense, based on what I saw last night, up against any offense in the NFL, to be honest with you. Oh, totally. I mean, there's so much pressure that uh, – kind of leads to uh, a harder time for the defense when the offense isn't able to do anything. You know, if the offense isn't able to score points, then the defense is never able to really dictate the game uh, because you can't make the other team one-dimensional, and that's typically what the Patriots do. But what we saw is that even with a game in a neutral position, the Patriots' defense was still able to dictate what was happening uh, with the Chiefs, and they did an outstanding job. Uh, major kudos to their entire secondary. They did an amazing job stifling this offense. Uh, Adrian Phillips... Did a great job out there uh, as kind of that linebacker safety role. He buttoned down Travis Kelsey for most of the game. I think that that big catch that he, uh, Kelsey had was on Jojuan Williams, I believe. Um, but you had the secondary did a great job of making sure that Tyreek Hill, there was no real home run plays other than that big catch by Travis Kelsey. And that's where the Chiefs have historically, you know, caught up to the Patriots, had their explosions in the fourth quarter, is when you just have that one Tyreek Hill 85-yard touchdown. And that has happened game in, game out against this Chiefs team. And the Patriots did a great job of not letting that happen by forcing them to lead multiple play drives down the field. You know, the, the Chiefs had to earn all of their, their points. You know, 11 plays on their opening drive for a field goal, 8 plays for another field goal. Even their touchdown drives are 7 and 9 plays. That's what the Patriots want. They want the other team to have 9-plus play drives because if you can force them into multiple third downs, odds are you're going to force them to punt. And the Patriots did a really good job of not allowing the, the Chiefs to have those chunk plays and force them to earn it. Uh, and again, what I, t I tweeted this out last night. This is still part of the preseason for the Patriots, right? This was their fourth game. They're back in 2019 form when they were the best defense in the league. And I'm super excited to see how they match up against other teams. Yeah, I mean, not a single 100-yard receiver on the Chiefs, which is remarkable. I feel like they all get 100 yards every single week, it seems like, with this offense. Travis Kelsey had three for 70. He was the leading receiver yardage-wise, but most of it was that one long 45-yarder. And uh, I don't really remember Tyreek Hill making an impact at all. I don't remember Sammy Watkins making an impact at all. There really wasn't a a, a player that just tore the Patriots apart. I feel like when, the, when these games happen – they do a pretty good job locking down like three of the five weapons, but there are these two guys that just light them up, uh, and that just didn't happen. It was They forced them to death by a thousand cuts. It's a better version, I guess, of that awful 2011 defensive strategy where they just let teams march down the field at will and stiffen up in the end zone. Uh, it's, it's kind of of that ilk, but it's just better because it actually creates turnovers and it stops them before they get into field goal range a lot of times. Yeah. Uh, it's really good to see. I'm really excited about it. Um, but we'd be remiss if we we're talking about the defense and how well they played without mentioning two pretty atrocious calls that went against the Patriots. Like bad calls are part of the game. We've all been on the receiving end of them. We've all gotten them in our benefit. It's just part of football and you got to move on and accept it. But 
Every single time, Rich, I see a quarterback who is grasped for two or three seconds and then is immediately ruled down. All I can do have this kind of PTSD flashback of 2007 when Eli Manning was in the grass for about eight or nine seconds. Yep. No one blew the whistle, and then David Tyree happened. So why <laughs> is it that this keeps happening to the Patriots where these guys are in the grass? I think that was that was, it was, a, it was an interception. It wasn't a fumble. I mean, yep. there's just nothing about it. It didn't touch the ground. And that probably, I mean, you don't know because they had to stop playing, but that probably would have been a potential pick six for Shalit Calhoun. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's no excuse for the officials to blow the whistle that quickly, especially when you you know every single quarterback in this league is going to try and make the play. And until he looks like he's going to tuck the ball to go down to the ground, you let it happen because they might throw it. You know, that that's like that's part of it is that quarterbacks are expected to make throws when players are hanging off of them. And yeah, in, until the quarterback gives up, then let them play it because that this is what just really hurt the Patriots who honestly, they deserved some breaks for playing and every single play seemed to go against them. It was really an inexcusable quick whistle uh, that as other bad officiating calls took place later on, you know, that roughing the passer call uh, against Dietrich Wise, the picked up roughing, uh, you know, unnecessary roughness against, uh, you know, the player who tackled Damian Harris, I get, forget who actually did it, but they picked up the flag that was just a mirror of what they did to Patrick Mahomes. It was just, come on, guys. Just let, either either let them play or, you know, call it equally. And it just wasn't the case. Yeah, it's like a new new trend when the Patriots play the Chiefs. The Pats don't get screwed out of at least one touchdown. It's not really a game. I don't know what's going on with it. Again, it sucks. Uh, Belichick mentioned afterwards he didn't uh, throw the challenge flag because he couldn't. If a player's yep. ruled down, you can't challenge that, which seems kind of silly. We've both been arguing every play should be reviewable regardless of what it is. There's another good reason to instill that maybe in the in the offseason. Um, but what can you do? Again, I think that's a good indicator. And when Devin McCourty drops a gimme interception and when J.C. Jackson drops a gimme interception, it starts to make you wonder maybe it's just not the Patriots night. And you know what? That's okay. Yeah, I mean, they, they had so much weighing on them, you know, taking two separate flights. One of the players or one of the flights was of players who had close contact with Cam Newton. So they had to keep them separate. Uh, you know, they went to a hotel quickly after landing for a bit of like a team meeting rest sort of situation. And they went and played later that day. Absolutely absurd turnaround. Uh, anyone who's been on a flight knows that it's going to be really hard to play a game later that day. Uh, so shocking that the Patriots even made this competitive and were able to, you know, they did stifle Patrick Mahomes. This was a, just a not a Patrick Mahomes day. He and the Chiefs offense were held without a touchdown for an entire half. And that has only happened two other times in Patrick Mahomes career. And so all three times that Mahomes has failed to lead the Chiefs to a touchdown have come against the New England Patriots. Bill Belichick is the best at his job. This was another classic performance. And it's just a real shame that the offense was not able to do anything at all to help this effort that the, the defense really just put out there. And you mentioned that there was no Chiefs player who was able to destroy this Patriots team that there has been in the past. I present to you... Uh, Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer absolutely <laughs> destroyed this Patriots team. No, it's true. No, he did. Uh, on, the, on the plus side about that is uh, I, if, if these teams meet again, it will most likely be in Arrowhead in the postseason uh, with probably no fans again. And the Chiefs now have no game tape on Cam Newton against the Chiefs. I think if these teams meet again, I very much like the chances. This is not one scenario. This is not one of those 41 to 14 blowouts 
which, however, came also on a Monday night to put the Patriots at two and two. And everyone was poo-pooing on the next day. And I believe they went on that year to win the Super Bowl. So maybe Who's this will be a nice little, little, little mirror image of that. Um, but if these teams meet again, I think it'll be a different result. And if nothing else, what I'm taking away from this game is the Patriots, obviously a lot can happen between now and then, but the Patriots are good enough to hang with the best team in the NFL. And that's all you can ask for. Yeah, totally. And we, and we said this after their loss to the Seahawks, too. I mean, they've lost to two teams that are still undefeated on the road. You know, like those are very reasonable losses. We said at the beginning of the podcast that we expected these to be losses at the start of the year. So this changes nothing for the Patriots trajectory. And if anything, it makes me feel very confident in their ability to compete for the rest of the year because they were able to hold the defending chiefs to 19 points. And if they had any sort of competent quarterbacking, they would have won this game. And so this is a team that just finished their preseason. They treated the first four games of the season as preseason anyways. We know that they can run the ball at will against any team. We know that Cam Newton has great passing games in him, as evidenced by that Seahawks game. And we know that this defense can go toe-to-toe with the best offense in the game, as evidenced by this game against the Chiefs. So all of the pieces are there that the Patriots can compete with and beat any team in the league. It's just a matter of, can Cam Newton be available? Can all of those components happen at the same time? And, you know, four weeks into the season, we have those individual components. The next four weeks come with the Patriots putting those, trying to get multiple of those facets performing well at the same time before you hit the final eight games where everything is supposed to come together. So we'll, we'll see if the Patriots are able to take that next step over the next four games. For sure. Time to turn the page, move on. Two and two is nothing to shake at, at at this point in the season. Hopefully Cam Newton can come back. He can be back in the office as early as Thursday, which seems crazy to me. But again, I don't know how COVID works, apparently. And hopefully we have no more positive tests coming up anywhere in the league over the next couple of days. And we can move on. The Denver Broncos are a pretty bad team. It's a <laughs> very, very winnable game with Garrett Stidham, I think, could play and win against the Denver Broncos. Hopefully Cam will be back in time. And then they have a bye. So they have a lot of time to reset and recalibrate. Um, so I think this game came at a good time. This kind of shakeup came at a good time. And good things on the horizon. Oh, absolutely. And we'll break that down later in the week. Uh, we'll have our Patriots-Broncos podcast later. A uh, lot of moving pieces. Hopefully no more positives from the Patriots. That you know, that There's always an incubation period. Hopefully no one else caught anything. Hopefully it's not spreading. So we'll, we'll have more information on our Thursday podcast. Alec, do you have any final thoughts on the Patriots week four game against the Kansas City Chiefs? May this be the last time Alec Shane and Rich Hill break down Brian Hoyer's play. <laughs> please, please, please. Anyone, Joe Foxborough could do better than he did. Uh, Alec, until next time, you have a good one. See you, buddy. Later, man.